The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your ghost guest host, Ed Lucy, and my guest is Dr. Debbie Wayne, a.k.a. Malden Lions. Amen. Yes. Amen. Uh, maybe I should put in a disclaimer because I've been a member of the Lions, I think, for 40, 46 years. I think you're right. thereabouts. And so uh, maybe at this point I'm the longest active member. But more important than that is... As uh, old as I am, and as and as, lo as long as uh, the, the Lions have been in business, we're not as well known as some other service clubs. But kind of give us a background about the Lions, both the Malden Club and the Lions so, in general. Yep, absolutely. Lions Clubs International is the largest service organization in the world. We have 1.4 million members around the world. We're on every continent, um, large and small. We have, um, the Malden Lions Clubs has 40 members, probably 20 that are really active, and um, we provide eye care in the community, emergency eye care. We raise money for eye research, uh, hunger issues, diabetes, environmental causes. I'm trying to think what else. I'm going to miss one, I know. Oh, pediatric cancer. So those are the five areas that the Lions really are uh, concentrated on. Uh, we are also the only, we're not just business people, but we're, we're, we're people in the community that care about our community. We're here to serve. It's our motto. Yeah. You, you mentioned the international organization. How many countries are we actually in, approximately? Over 224. Yeah, that came up but at I a think recent... More, I think there might be more than that, even. Yeah. Uh, that came up at a recent meeting, um, and at my reaction, I didn't realize there were that many countries in existence. So, yeah. is, but uh, the other question is, um, in terms of the the club itself, um, and again, this is something that how uh, time evolves. The um, as as a member, uh, the one who, as opposed to being a president of a club, we, we were king lion. Yes, we still are in some respects, but we cut, we've switched to president for the most part. Yeah, it, but, it, yes, some, some clubs still call it King Lion. I guess that would be me. A key lion. King. king. Oh, King Lion. You yeah, because that's absolutely a, right. Yeah. We even have tail twisters. Isn't that your job? A tail twisters, yeah, but that's uh, that could be uh, either a man or a woman. But uh, that's another whole story. Anybody, <laughs> we could talk about that job a bit, a bit later on. But... Um, so, and the Malden Lions has been in existence how long? So the club in Malden is 85 years old this year. 
actually going on 86. Um, we were founded through the Medford Lions Club. We're the second oldest large, uh, Lions Club in the district, in the multiple district here. And how many districts are there so statewide? Massachusetts has five districts. Each one of them has around 2,000 members. And with 33K? With 33K. The five districts spell out the word Yanks, Y-A-N-K-N-S. Uh, we are District K. We call ourselves Special K. And if I refer to our club anywhere else, I call us the Mighty Malden Lions because we may be a small club, but we are a mighty club. Yeah, yeah. Just as a, a, a kind of a, a bit of tri uh, trivia history, uh, I was approached, uh, uh, this is a story, I was approached to uh, join the Lions. Uh, uh, you need a sponsor to become a member. And right. although um, th there isn't a rejection process involved with the, the attention of the, of the uh, uh, sponsors, to t so your services, your abilities, your, op your things that you're able to do for, for the club can be utilized to the, to the, to the higher level. Um, I was approached to become a member. And um, at that time, um, the, the one who was going to ask me to join, who did ask me to join, who was going to be my sponsor, was Herbie Jackson, yes. who was a very active member of the Lions. For, and, and also, not only was he active in the Marlin Lions, but he, he did uh, expand his, 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 his role with the Lions to cover uh, and embrace positions at a much higher level. Yes, he was a district governor. Yeah, and uh, in any event... He he um, he asked me to, what I considered joining, and he sponsored me. I went to a meeting, and he also sponsored at that time a friend of mine. So the two of us were coming in together, Jack Moran. I remember Jack. And we went to the meeting, and we got introduced as a special guest, which was a designation indicating you were not just a guest of the, uh, that evening, but you were someone who was considering joining. And uh, there was a there was a pause in time when you go to that meeting and before you kind of formalize your membership and that part I wasn't aware of and so um, and we only meet twice a month right and in those days we met on Thursday night now we meet on Wednesday here in Malden and it's in the evening not, not in the daytime in any event um, Jack called me a, a, a couple of weeks later, and he said, has anybody called you about the meeting tonight? I said, no. He said, well, uh, is there a meeting? I said, uh, yeah, there is a meeting. So we decided to go. And the, the point of the process was you, you went as a, as a member after the, uh, the first meeting once you became a member. Right. And so it ended up both Jack and I attended that meeting. And after the meeting, Herbie came over and said, Ed, you know, you've not been formally... Uh, it, uh, approved yet, so it, even though it's coming, uh, uh, you weren't supposed to come with to a meeting because the way it would work, it would be that the, uh, as a special guest, you didn't have to pay that first meeting. So as far as I know, I'm the only one that to my, and Jack would be the only one that went to two meetings without having to pay. You got lucky. <laughs> but uh, got lucky. So that um, you, you, uh, so we're 85 years old, we got another, uh, um, one of the things that we uh, have been doing is that uh, f for many years, and that's interesting that I've found from experience, is uh, canning. Uh, that's right. And we used to be able to do it at a number of different sites within the city, but over time, for different reasons, that's been narrowed down. And be and also the other 
part of that is logistically not having as many members. Uh, you don't have regions to need as many sites to go to. That's right. But in the time and over the years that I've been doing it, particularly in more recent times, at the stop and shop, the people will come and see that apron you, uh, that you wear saying more than lions, and they think of the of Lions Club and glasses. That's right. Well, we are glasses. We collect glasses. We do recycling. Actually, we're running the recycling program for the entire uh, greater Boston area out of my office in Maplewood, so I have thousands of pairs of glasses that will be uh, cleaned, and our club is going to be doing a lot of that cleaning. Um, we're going to be uh, recycling them, and they will go on mission trips to different countries. Yeah. In this country, we can't reuse the glasses for someone here, but our clubs throughout the country will help people that can't afford glasses get glasses. So yeah. we are, we're lucky in this country. But they do get used. They will be sent. Um, in fact, I've got a request now to get um, a number of pairs of glasses to the Philippines. We've sent glasses to Barbados. Uh, we'll be sending them to the Dominican Republic and Africa. And so we're, we're, we're working diligently trying to get them cleaned and cataloged and and be able to send them out to people in need that don't have access to any eye care. And, and in fact, I think having, in past years, you've made that mission yourself? I have. I've been to the Dominican Republic four times. Four times with the um, St. Anne's Church out of Gloucester. A number of years ago, they were looking for someone that could speak Spanish, and, and someone suggested me, and I got, a, I, I got the bug, and I... I um, I enjoy those mission trips. I enjoy them very much. So it was a, it was kind of a combination with the lions in the, and that and the, and the church in Gloucester. Um, that actually wasn't. It, it, I used lions glasses, but that was their. It's a church mission. Right. It was a, a church mission from the church in Gloucester and the church in Melrose, Incarnation Church in Melrose. They both go up. They they go together. Yeah. They have nursing doctors, eye doctors, dentists, and the group of us go and provide eye care and men medical care for the people that literally don't have anything. One of the other things the, the, the Lions have is a, a, a mobile unit that they utilize. And we, we do. It's been off the road because of COVID. It's coming back on the road. We have a, and, and we will bring it back to Malden. Um, it is, we call it the iMobile, and basically it's uh, vision and uh, blood pressure. We do screening services. We don't do full eye exams, but we do screen for glaucoma and any eye disease. Uh, there's a retinal camera on it. Uh, we have an eye chart, as I say, blood pressure, and uh, anything that we can find out, we do. So we've, we've done, the last time we did it, we did it in, at the YMCA for the Healthy Kids Day, and we ran the truck outside for adults, and we have uh, special cameras on it. Uh, we call them spot cameras where we can check for uh, young children six and under for uh, amblyopia and lazy eye and probably prevent some children from going blind at some point in their life. So yeah. if we catch it earlier, we can, we can prevent the blindness. So yeah. the idea is to prevent and educate. Yeah, in fact, um, uh, I uh, we had a, a regular Malden meeting last week, and prior we to did. that meeting, I had gotten a call from a local f official here in Malden, and he's affiliated with a, an organization in Everett, 
And he mentioned to me that they, they had, I don't know how he got involved from that end, but other than the fact he'd be a mall than resident, but that um, they used to rely on the Everett Mall, the Everett Lions Club to, to do, do local uh, programs, and the, the, that club has uh, no longer in existence. So he thought that the Lions might be an option for uh, to do the same thing in Everett, yeah. and it ended up that... Uh, um, I said, well, I'll bring it up at the meeting. And when I went to the meeting, I saw I was on the agenda, yeah. and you had been contacted. By I had been contacted the by the Everett Board of Health. Uh, they had contacted the Malden Lions. Yeah. Uh, we haven't finalized that yet. I'm not sure what's going to happen. The state has re renewed the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The regulations for eye screenings for children in public schools, and it's a special ch set of charts which which the iMobile will be buying, and hopefully we'll be able to go into the school system there and, and um, check every kid. A lot of these children haven't had screenings for a number of years because of COVID, and, and we're all trying to play catch-up. So, yeah. The, the Lions also, even at, at, in our club over the years, they've had instances where people have contacted the Lions. Um, let's say they... They they have uh, maybe a child in the school system that that has a legally blind right. or limited vision. Or the school has called us. They do. The school has called us a number of times. Um, we've provided eyeglasses for a number of of young children. Most people have some kind of insurance, but for those that have nothing and can't afford, we don't let anybody go without. We just don't let anybody go without. There's no there's no reason to. So if you know anybody that has uh, a problem. Please contact us and let us know. I'm pleading with the viewers. We're here to help. We're here to serve, and we're here to provide whatever we can to help the community. The, the uh, but don't, don't they also in the past have done with like computers for, for for students that have limited vision? We have um, so the multiple district. The whole state has a program called Mass Lions Low Vision, and. Uh, the goal at this year for that program actually is to have at least 25 people within each district that might need some specialized low vision products, whether it be a computer or specialized magnifiers or special glasses, be able to get the help they need to buy them because those machines are thousands of dollars, some of them. And so we do what we can to help them and, and, and provide the, the needs. The, the, the means to in, to get them. And also, we also provide uh, low vision services from the multiple district through the New England College of Optometry. Yeah. Now, in addition to you, so the, the 85th anniversary of the, of the Lions year. is this year, and there's a special meaning to that. Is there some plans to do something? Yeah, we're, we're going to be having a, um, a what we call a charter night April 15th at the Moose Hall. Um, the tickets are 55 a person. It'll be a nice night, dinner, dancing, just to celebrate uh, celebrate us. And you a little, little action, too. A little a casino night? Oh, we, we might have a little bit of something, maybe a 50-50 or, or a couple of raffle baskets, but yeah. uh, it's going to be a nice night. I think it'll be a very nice evening. We haven't we We kind of went off the radar for a while, and... I, we're back. We're back strong, and we're going to only get stronger. Now, there's another and event we, in addition. We to have that. another event. So, you know, when COVID came, we had a kind of look at different ways to raise money. 
some of the some of the things we raise money for, and as you know, is eye research, and that's the big one in Massachusetts is Mass Lions Eye Research. We uh, we over the course of the year, every year, provide a million dollars in seed money to. Uh, five of the local research facilities. We are we're blessed here in Massachusetts. We have more research facilities for ice than anywhere else in the world, and so every year, um, BU, Mass Ionia, Scapin's Eye Institute, um, Children's and Jocelyn get a uh, startup money that they can't get from the national government because they don't have any proof that the research that they're doing is works. But we see this research, and some of it is very cutting edge. And, and over the years, they've actually found uh, treatments for macular degeneration, the causes of baby blindness, river blindness, um, and, and help to cure some of those things. So uh, a million a year we give to those uh, agencies, and we raise it. So because of COVID, and we couldn't go out and actually hold a can and, and ask people to donate, we um, started a clothing drive a few years ago. And the money that we raised on the clothing drive, we as a club have given to Mass Lions Eye Research. So that being said, I'd like to see if anybody could bring in, uh, if you're cleaning your closets, or you have books that aren't being used and, and you want to donate books or small appliances like toasters or, or mixers, we are collecting all of that stuff. Uh, we need it before March 4th, but anything that comes in uh, will go in, in the club will raise money and funds that way. And it's worked out very well, you know. Uh, the stuff is delivered to my office. It seems to be a big drop-off point at 702 Salem Street, but... Uh, we'll take anything, bags of clothes. If you if you're cleaning your closet, please, please consider donating it to the Malden Lions for their fundraiser. And actually, um, the clothes, the, the, it's, I think we should stress is, is usable clothes. Usable clothes. I don't think anybody wants anything with with dirty armpits or uh, ripped, unless it's a rip that's supposed to be there. Because I, um, the kids wear ripped jeans now. Or cigarette ashes. On yeah, it. yeah, but yeah. Now the clothes, and again, when you when you think about it, the people sometimes have uh, items that they they don't know what to do with, and whether they be clothes or other things. Uh, it used to be rather common to see these outside bins where people would bring dropping clothes. The, and that's the kind of stuff we want. Right, and and, th and these clothes are, are uh, the purpose of the clothes if they once they've been looked at and approved for distribution or sale they're they're sold off to through an organization that we go we donated to so two things work in in a, in a very positive way one is it's a source of revenue for the for the club but more important than that is also rather than people put them out in the rubbish or, or just never get rid of them and they clutter their, their house with clothes that don't fit any longer or, or unfortunately in some instances Someone has passed on, and there's yes. no reason to keep the clothes. You could bring those clothes to 721 Salem Street. Nope, 702. 702 Salem Street. It's diagonally across from what used to be Carol's funeral home. And, That's right. Uh, but it would be do a, a service to a, 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 in two ways. One, the clothes would have another life, and more important than that, it would provide 
revenue for the Lions Club here in Marlin to ch take that money and do another good deed for whether it was children in need of glasses or other kinds of programs we're involved in, which include lo locally, um, uh, I was talking with James briefly, and Trelanzo, uh, part of the um, the group here at uh, Uma or Marlin uh, Cable, uh, had, had a basketball league for years, and we've been we've We, been we support the basketball league. We've supported the basketball league, the YMCA, um, healthy families, the Malden Warming Center. Uh, the um, I'm trying to think. We've done so much. Uh, we do scholarships. We do, for scholar graduates we do of the scholarships high in the high school. Um, the, 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 we've done the, we've done a lot. I, I'd have to well. Sometimes take a look, the, uh, but you it, know, it, sometimes they, we would get requests from organizations looking for us for financial support and on a individual or a case, we case have, by case we, And we basis. have members that are also volunteering at the warming center. And I um, and I was able to go out last year and actually find brand new clothing to bring to the warming center. So we've we've been able to uh, give hats and scarves and gloves and book bags all all to the to to people in need. You know, so we qualify as a nonprofit. Argument. We are absolutely. We're a five hundred one c three. Yeah. So um, now you might have a, someone listening to the audience that either has a connection previously or possibly um, would have some interest if they had the time to maybe consider joining as a member. I, what are we looking for? What, for we're looking for able-bodied people that just want to give back to the community. Men I, and women. Men and women. Young and old. We meet twice a month. We meet at Patrick's in Maplewood Square on Wednesday nights at 6.30, every other first and third Wednesday of the month. Uh, you know, we'd love to have people come and join us. Last week we had a young woman come in for the first time. She she read about the Lions. It's a great time to be a Lion. Uh, let me just say, if you this year especially, uh, our international convention is here in Boston. Uh, there should be around 18,000 people descending on the city from around the world. It's uh, it's exciting. It's fun. You know, we have a good time, and we do good things. You, can we talk a little bit about that? That's um, something that uh, has been kind of been dormant because of the coronavirus, yeah. but when is that? Uh, Every year the international community comes together for their international convention elects their officers, does the business of the organization, allows the membership, the general membership, to uh, vote. Um, last year it was in Montreal. It was our first in-person one in a few years. Uh, the year I was governor, it was supposed to be in Singapore. Obviously, it got canceled, uh, and everything was done online. We all learned how to use Zoom. Even you, Ed, learned how to use Zoom. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit behind you, you, in some you, of that. You did well, um, but the so last time we had an international convention in Boston it was because of Hurricane Katrina. It was supposed to be take it was supposed to take place in in uh, New Orleans, and it was canceled. And we had six months to prepare for an international convention or to be a host city. Uh, this time we've had three years, and you know what? I'm not sure that it makes much difference because I think we did more in six months than three years because now we're all hustling to get things ready. But uh, even if you're not a lion, uh, there is a huge parade that takes place. In, um, it's, it's, 
it's the week after the 4th, so the Saturday after the 4th of July, uh, down Boylston Street in Boston, and they call it the Parade of Nations. If you want to know how many countries are there, go down and watch the parade. It's a long parade because every country is represented and marches in this parade. There'll be music, there'll be floats, there'll, it, it, it's an amazing it's, ama- it's an amazing take. It's one of the highlights of the convention. Have you gone to any in the past? Oh, yes. And where were the ones that you were Let's see. I went to Chicago on the 100th anniversary of Lions, which was in uh, 2017. And I was in Las Vegas the next year. And where else have I Did been? Did you finance your cost there by the table? Uh, no, I lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. Um, the, uh, it was my first trip to Vegas. It was hot. It was too hot. It's With in the middle July? of the summer. Yeah, I don't, don't go to Vegas in July. Yeah, you're right. I've been in um, Vegas in yeah. July, and it and is I, hot. Uh, and then, I'm, as I say, last year was Montreal, which was lovely. And then this year's Boston, and next year's Australia. Australia? Yeah. I see, yeah. That's a long uh, yeah. ride. It's a long flight. Yeah. But uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, you meet people from all over the world, and, 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 and sometimes you see them again, which is kind of nice. You make good yeah. friends. Yeah. So, just for curiosity, some of the countries separate from the United States that have a large contingency of lions, where the, what would that be? What countries would that Well, be? obviously, our, our next uh, international president is coming from Canada, uh, Brazil, uh, you know, everywhere. How about uh, India? Indi- uh, India has a huge lion population. Yeah, yeah. And so does China. China does too? Mm-hmm. Hong Kong or China or Taiwan? Um, both. In fact, when I was governor, the the governor from the uh, the Lions governor from China was in Boston at the Kennedy School, and he and I uh, got to know each other pretty well. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, it was I, a lot I, of fun. Uh, yeah. And strong, his yeah. name was Strong Lu, and he uh, and he still participates, and we still talk. Um, that would, be, that would be China itself, and that's not, China itself. Not Taiwan or Hong Kong. No, nope, that's China itself. You know, it, it, no politics in lions. We all like each other. It's, 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 well, it's that's a common. A, it's a commonality. It makes it much easier. That's a, a, a especially important. Two things that I think that uh, are usually considered part of the dialogue, and one would be the politics, the other would be religion. Those are two areas. That that's right. When you leave at the door we, we when have you every, come to the meeting. When I went to governor's school, there were people from uh, India, um, in, um, Malaysia, uh, Israel. It, it, it just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I still am friendly with some of them because, you know, we, we, we went through a lot together. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I want to just maybe just go over again a little bit of the uh, the donations which the lions locally are seeking, and we need to have them if you're able to help us and help yourself literally by March is a deadline. March fourth is we we need the the clothes are leaving my office on March fourth, and in addition the clothes we're, which are recycled clothes that are available for distribution or resale to people. Uh, men's and women's and children. Men, women, children. How about shoes? Shoes, shoes are fine too. Shoes are Anything fine. wearable. And then, as I say, they've added this year. Uh, they want books and they want small appliances. So, and uh, and would like a blender be something people? Blender would be fine. 
In fact, I put a blender in there already. Oh, you but did? But we could use a few more. Yeah. Do they have still have pressure cookers? I think they do. I think they're called Instapots now. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's a, by definition, that's a small appliance. So it, how about yeah. vacuum cleaners? Are they too big? No, they'd probably be fine, too. Vacuum cleaners. Okay. Of course, you have the small ones that people use on their cars. That would be... Uh, and any of them. They just, they'll, they'll take anything. Yeah. So... Um, we just need we need we need people to donate. Um, our club has done a tremendous job in bringing stuff in, but I, I would love to have double what I have in there right now. It would be awesome. It would really be a. So a boom. It, and actually, just again to repeat myself, it it really goes uh, helps two causes. One, at the local level, it generates um, money to the lions for the uh, when it's um, donated to uh, to outsources who take who. who use them and it, obviously then it's beneficial to people who can then get clothes um, that are um, presentable wearable and usable and they can get them at a when it's sold off it's or get donated to, to, to people they can get it for no cost or low cost so, that's right yeah yeah, yeah. well when you while you're doing all this lines business you, you mentioned 702 salem street yeah <laughs> and what's there <laughs> my eye doctor's office oh yeah and not only in Marlin, but you have an office also. I have an office in Chelsea. Chelsea. Actually, when the big at the beginning of the pandemic, the other thing that we had done yeah. is had a big diaper drive. Yeah. Because there was a shortage; like people really had a hard time. Yeah. So. But that's a, my 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 love is lions. I I kind of my office actually helps me to be a lion. That's now, who all. sponsored you? Oh, a wonderful politician here in town. At one point, his name was Arthur Boyle. Oh, Arthur. Arthur. Yeah, he was very active when he was here. He Malden. sure was. He yeah, was a good. Yeah, yeah. We've had some good people. We've, uh, you know, uh, we've had some famous lions, not from Walden, other than Herbie Jackson, but, um, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter is a lion, still, still a lion. Ninety-four years old. I and think. still active and still uh, giving back. Mayor Menino was a lion. Actually, I, I, the, you mentioned politicians. I, uh, I know someone local who, who, who is not originally from Malden, but he has a Somerville and a Medford connection, and he recently uh, mentioned to me that he gets together with people uh, on a, once in a while, and they go out to dinner at the steakhouse in Cambridge or wherever. And so he said, if you want to join us, he, which was he talking to me, he says, I'll be more than glad. He, uh, he had, he's in Malden some of the time. He says, I'll pick up and, and drive you. And so I said, yeah. So we ended up, uh, we went to, we got together, and I'm sitting there, and who's sitting next to me but Gene Brune. Oh, he's a good lion. The f- former mayor of Somerville and also Register of Deeds. Register of Deeds. And, and uh, Gene is, uh, no, he told me he, didn't, he doesn't live in Somerville now, but he's a trustee of the library, and he's uh, still active with the Lions in Somerville. Gene is the president of the Lions, Ma- yeah, of the Somerville Lions right now. Other organizations. And uh, I was talking to someone else, and they mentioned uh, to me when I mentioned that Gene was at that group, he's, oh, you know, he, and he told me he was 93 years old. Doesn't and look up. I was really surprised to think um, not only is he... Uh, Active at a organ an organization, but he's 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 among several organizations. And it's a, as he said, I don't live in uh, Somerville any longer, but I'm I'm there all the time. When I induct people into the Lions Club, part of my induction ceremony is to let them know they're not 
just joining a local club. They're joining a very large family. Um, you know, I lost my mom a year ago, and, and the outpouring from the Lions, I, I, to this day, I, I don't think I could ever express what, what it meant to me and not only how they embraced me, but how they had embraced my mother for so many years. She was 102, and, uh, you know, she, she's still being talked about. I mean, they, people, we, we, we are family. Someone said, it, I didn't lose my, just my mother, but everybody lost somebody. And that's a, I think that's a, a, a testament to the organization, the, the care that we all have for each other. Yeah. If, if someone um, uh, is, that hears the program or knows of someone that th thinks that the Lions might be something that they would like to know more about or perhaps even consider becoming a member, um, is there a website that they could go We have to? a website. We have uh, two websites. One, they could go to lionsinternational.org. Which and, is easy to remember for those out there. And, 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 and just type in malls and lions. And, and, but the easier way would be to either contact one of us, you or myself or, or anybody in the malls and lions. We have a Facebook page, malls and lions Facebook page, and we also have a malls and lions website. So we have both. See. I bet you didn't know that. Say what? I bet you didn't know that. Well, I, I did know that, but I didn't know it as much as you did, so all the details. Yeah, we're, and um, We're working on our social media. As we yeah. get younger, we'll get more of it. That's more where, where life is going in any event. But yeah. the, um, um, in fact, I think in some instances in the past couple of years, because of the situation with the, with the virus issue, it was Zoom meetings. Was we had positive. Zoom meetings. You know what? And in, in most of the, we have 47 clubs in District K. Um, only one of them did not meet by Zoom. They all picked it up. We learned, we learned to do new things. Yeah. We ran a district convention on Zoom. You well, got an award on Zoom. Really? You don't remember your award? <laughs> no. You, <laughs> you got a Last Lions Research Award. Oh, wow. I'll have to get the plaque. I gave it to you. You picked it up. You're funny. <laughs> anyway, well, look, so, um, so you... <laughs> got you good, didn't I? Well, I'll tell you, you, you've got a very busy schedule with the Lions. Is you've been, you've been the too. president of the Lions for several years. This, this is it. And this is your, fi your final year of your current term. So there'll be, a, in the meantime, <laughs> it'll free up a lot more time for your own benefits and the enjoyment. And, and your profession as a, as a doctor uh, with the autometry profession, and you have two offices, one here in Salem Street in Malden, which is Maplewood Square, but you also have one in Chelsea. Yes, I'm torn between two cities. Yes, and, and, and actually... Your father was also in the profession. My father was. Yes. My office in Chelsea is, is actually, was established in 1936. 1936. 1936. Was and even I'm, a year before the Lions. And I've been in Malden for over 35 years. Yeah. And if I, if I, you mentioned your mother, if I'm correct, she was a graduate of Portia Law School? Yes, she was. In the, around 1920? No, 1939. She was born in 1919. <laughs> well, I thought she was one of those precocious kids that started young. Well, she was pretty precocious. <laughs> she finished law school at 20. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and how many would have uh, been in the law school class with her who was a female? 
All of them. All of them. Porsche Law School was the only all-female law school in the world. And well, it became the New England School of Law about three or four years after they started to accept men. Yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. which um, just to uh, to wander a bit, the um, the Globe a couple of weeks ago had an article on um, an individual who was very much involved with and and supportive of returning veterans in World War Two, who didn't fit the norm for the usual uh, list to draw from to, to go to Harvard Law School, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it cited a whole bunch of situations with people who normally, because of their educational breeding, as it were, would not have probably been considered for Harvard Law School. And it ended up that um, because they, he was the one that made those kind of decisions possible, he would get requests from returning service personnel and um, end up he would find slots for them once they met the requirement. One of the people, as I caught, when I read the article, was returning veteran, and he was interested in law, and he wrote to him and, and wanted to be considered as an applicant for, for Harvard Law School. And after he re researched it a bit and contacted the individual, he found out he hadn't even graduated college. But oh he boy. pointed pointed out to him, he said, you, you do your college education, and we'll see what we can do then. And as it turned out, he did. Which... When you look at back, these, there was a whole bunch of people that were able to go to Harvard Law School that normally wouldn't even been in the, the, the made the cut and been considered at all, which I thought he he, he accomplished a lot and, and he certainly was beneficial to a lot of people. The reason I tell that long story is, you now have letters to the editor the week or two afterwards responding to different articles that may appear or different issues that are discussed, and what the, what the respondent pointed out was all these people were men. There wasn't minorities, and there weren't women. There was, and of course, what he did was a good deed, but it wasn't like, and that maybe was a reflective of the time because it was 1946 and 1948 or whatever, and that was at a time um, people were thought of as a male world. I don't mean to say this, but when I went to optometry school, they told us we were taking the place of men. Yeah, and how many were in your class? Seventeen. Women or total? No, seventeen women. Seventeen out of a hundred. Well, well, it's, it's the opposite now. That's interesting too. It yeah. is the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, there's no heavy lifting. It's a really wonderful profession for women. Well, I think, uh, in due respect to you, the fact that you mentioned that, uh, for, for reasons maybe it's related to where the, the uh, Chelsea is, uh, your office, that you're, you're bilingual. So that that I'm, certainly makes I'm, a I'm difference. I'm somewhat bilingual. Yeah. I've taught myself Spanish over the years. Now yeah. I want to learn Chinese. That's my next bucket list. Well, then. I, I heard there's a class here in Malden that I could learn Mandarin the, uh, at the uh, Chinese cultural. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah. When I'm no longer King Lion here, I will, I will take that class. That's, yeah. that's on my bucket list. What would the King Lion be in Spanish? Oh, I don't know. You don't know. I know what's what the queen lion is, but I don't know what the queen. What's the queen lion? La La Leon Reina. All right. Well, on that, <laughs> and that note, that note we'll, huh? yeah. Well, thank you very much thank for coming. You, Ed. Appreciate it. My and, pleasure. Again, emphasize if if anyone out there is uh, uh, interested or thinks they might be, or they know someone that could be a good prospect for the lions, 
We're looking for, like the Marines. We're looking for good men and women. Anybody that wants to serve. Yes, that's, a, that's important. And, Thank and you, Ed. It's two two meetings a month and includes a membership, and then you have a meal that you can get caught up in the activities and the and the programs that we're implementing or do involved with, and so you get a chance to get out and meet some people. More important than that, you get to do some good things. So, Thank you, Ed. Well, thanks very much. It's good for to see you again. See you at the next meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now I uh, touch on some items that uh, I've been accumulating um, uh, issues that sometimes catch my attention, and I think that uh, maybe uh, I have an opinion on, and that maybe. You may agree with it or disagree with it, but I, that gives us a chance to talk about it. And uh, one of the first things maybe to touch on is that um, in the past election, and I spoke on this before the election, this was last November, there was question number one, which had to do with the um, adding a surcharge or surtax to people who made over a million dollars a year so that Massachusetts has a flat state income tax and uh, it's 4% of your, whatever the taxable income you might have. But the, the referendum question was uh, on um, anybody who has an income uh, over $1 million, that excess amount of money over the million would be not only taxed at 4%, but it was going to be taxed at an additional, excuse me, be taxed at Four percent being added. It was you pay five percent tax on your on your income currently. So those people over a million income that for that a particular year would pay not only that five, they'd pay another four, just on that amount over the million dollars. And they made some reference that if you sold a business or a farm, or if you had a, uh, a reason why you sold a house, if if that ended up as the bottom number. Tr truthfully, I was surprised that there was a more of a gr an aggressive effort by people to uh, uh, oppose that for a number of reasons that are unrelated to what their own benefit might be because in the past we've had questions to uh, charge, uh, let's see, the bottle bill, which was at 5% uh, on the bottles of water that people buy, but uh, now it's limited to uh, either cans or bottles, but therefore... Uh, uh, non-water uh, consumption. So anyway, but there's been others as well that deal with the, uh, the way they write out uh, um, services that can be provided by supermarkets because a lot of money is poured into it because it's a difference in the bottom line for the businesses. The reason I mentioned about that million dollars, it sounds good in a service. First of all, there aren't many people in a gr as a group would be uh, one's paying, so it's easy to, to vote for something where you didn't have to pay it. And then, of course, there's always the thing, well, that when we get that money, we can pave more roads and we can give money to special education and all those kinds of things that always need more money and therefore what happens that's a positive thing for some people, for most people, number one, it doesn't directly affect their bottom line, and more important than that, it appears to, to direct money to services that may be need more attention. Well, this year, some of it has to do with the uh, stimulus programs that have been initiated at the federal level to support the 
uh, local government and many of the services that needed to be taken care of when the coronavirus came along. And the interesting thing is, already this year, about 15 states have reduced the state income tax, not increased it. And the reason for that is the surplus of money that's been generated, number one, by some of the time spending money during these times when you weren't out, you weren't out in the public, but they still benefited the, the government because of some kind of a tax involved, or, as more often the case, a lot of the money that was generated from the federal level that filtered down into the states and then went further into the communities ended up making meeting the budget for the year easier than it used to be under the usual conventional sources of, of, of re receiving the money. Beyond any of that is that um, um, New York has a, a graduated tax at the state level, which is what this is, and as does New Jersey, and the thing is that what you notice is if and California does, they're, they're very highly taxed residents in, in that state. People and businesses have found reasons to relocate. In California, they've gone to Texas, and in New York and so forth, they've gone to Florida. So what you have is people that might decide, well, I could save 5% of my state tax if I didn't live in Massachusetts, even if my source of income maybe directly or indirectly might come to me from that state. Provided I didn't reach a million dollars or more, you wouldn't pay any tax at all, never mind paying the surtax. And be in, so it'll end up, as sure, you, the state's going to raise money, and they're talking about well over a billion dollars potentially. But what you're also going to find is you're going to find people leaving the state uh, from a legal perspective, as a as a as a resident, because they're not going to be wanting to pay more than they're currently paying, and this is a significant increase if you if you're very wealthy, or if you're looking at an opportunity where maybe you'd be selling a a, a business that you've built up, or you have a, a property here that you want to uh, sell and and retire and whatever, and so what ends up happening. Um, the former President Trump saw that several years ago, even uh, before he left office, and he 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 relocated his address from New York to to, to uh, Florida. Ironically, one of the other, <laughs> just as an example, although you don't have sympathy for millionaires, but he, uh, we have professional hockey teams, we have football teams, we have baseball teams, we have basketball teams, and uh, we have soccer teams. But uh, the first four are the ones where there's, uh, there's high level of earnings potentially. We just you signed a player uh, last year for six years for $20 million. He's a, uh, he was a second baseman that, that, that got hurt during the, uh, the, before the end of the year. But there's a lot of uh, basketball players that are making in the 20s and 30s million a year. But sometimes it's possible that that when they negotiate a contract when they're in, in, in competition with other franchises, in, in the, like the NBA or the uh, baseball, or of course even football, um, their agent might say, you know, if you, if you sign with the Patriots or you sign with the Red Sox, your tax is going to be 
another $900,000 a year or $1,300,000 a year for the next five or six years, depending on the length of the contract, you can sign for a Florida team and there's no tax at all. And it may be that that's uh, make a difference to maybe those players coming to this, although that's a, not the primary reason you can, it would be a decision, but that's a factor. But I found out since when I raised that argument initially was that the uh, the state has interpreted that those players, since you play half your games out of state, the tax portion of your income will only be that amount of money that represents the, the half of the income that you that you earn while you're playing, the, the, whether it's football, basketball, or baseball, or you know, hockey, in in, uh, in Massachusetts. So if you're playing at Fenway Park, that that week, uh, that time would be taxed as a resident. If you're playing in New York or Phoenix, Arizona, or Florida, it wouldn't be. But uh, I don't know what they're going to do about people that get injured and then are out like this, our uh, Chris Sales, who he spent most of his time last couple two or three years on the injured list, whether they would say, well, even though you're not out, you're not traveling with the team, we will we'll exempt half your income. We'll see what about that. That'll be a court case one way or the other, maybe. But anyway. I, uh, it's it's a done deal, but sometimes with with government, when you get the money, they'll spend the money. And beyond beyond that is that uh, when uh, this past year, when you're filing your taxes for for 2022, you'll find that you end up with uh, uh, a part of your income, which I think was going to be taxable, is you got a refund on your state tax because. There was a law passed some years ago at the state level where if the surplus was a, an amount beyond the threshold that they had determined at that time by formula, that rather than keep the money, they would refund the money to the people who had the, uh, paid state income tax. You had to pay the tax, and you have to apply for a refund. It, up to now, and this tax, uh, this law goes back a long time ago. It's only one one other time it's occurred uh, in empty nine years, and... Uh, Interesting enough, uh, this uh, spring in 2022, there was a legislative effort. Instead of giving the money back, which by law that you were supposed to receive, that to uh, take that money and use it for programs instead of sending it out to the people. So it ended up that was a thought at that time. It didn't it didn't get enough support, obviously, because number one is that means. There were a lot of people that said, well, that, that's a windfall I didn't anticipate, and therefore they were looking forward to it. So the, the ones that wanted to sponsor that bill never get the traction to have it implemented. But if they would take money away from you when they got the chance, even though the law said at that time you were entitled to it, the, f the fact that they got this new money coming into the state where all these other states are cutting taxes, Massachusetts has raised taxes, and once once the tax gets in, implemented and added, it's a lot harder to change it or to take it away or to reduce it than it is not to get it in the first place. So, I think it's a, they're doing a disservice to the public by, uh, and we I think the people well intended as they might have been in their voting, that wasn't the best thing to do to vote taxes just because you're the, as uh, one of those people who won't, won't have to pay, which is most of us. So anyway, that's my thought for the day on that. And this is getting to be with the president's speech last night. We're now getting, even though the election is two years away, we're going to get to that heated portion of time where there's a run-up to the next national election and 
things are going to get hot and heavy. But I, I came across this some time ago, and this was a uh, talking about how to win elections. And go negative early. And we certainly saw that last night after the president spoke to the rebuttal from some, some of the uh, people who were not Democrats, and, and uh, they made comments about his speech and, and a lot of other thoughts that didn't uh, kind of agree with what uh, he was saying. He was saying everything so like everything was so positive. And they, they, as the politicians used to say, if you if you're running for lick, for re-election, you point with pride. If you're seeking to unseat an incumbent. You view with alarm, and that would, that's the tenet of the way things sometimes are done. But this is a suggestion on if you're planning to run for office. Go negative early. One factor that can help you as an outsider is the poor quantity of those people of the nobility who are competing against you. One other option, court the elite. You must diligently cultivate relationships with those men of privilege both you and your friends should work to convince them that you have always been a traditionalist. Never let them think that you were a populist. And um, we see so much in uh, in politics, money talks, and uh, that's an example of it. Court the elite. Develop a common touch. Never, never at a loss if you have a uh, have something where you can relate to the person that is doesn't meet your standards educationally. Or economically, or socially, it uh, it's a great talent to have. And there've been some people in politics who've had that knack, and they've had a successful and career. And uh, cultivate the young vote. It also helps your campaign tremendously, tremendously to have the enthusiasm and energy of young people on your side to canvas votes, gain supporters, spread news, and make you look good. And that's absolutely true. And in the my own experience at the best campaign work is usually women because they go in uh, oftentimes just because they uh, either have a reason to uh, like what you talk or they have some kind of a relationship with you that connects to you or and they're doing it because they're not looking for something afterwards. If you're successful, they're doing it because they think you represent the best choice. And finally, make outrageous promises. And that, that we, we've seen that a lot over the years. It is better to have a few people in the forum disappointing when you let them down than to have a mob outside your home when you refuse to promise them what they want. And anyway, those are timely political advice, and that was from 64 B.C. That's over 2,000 years ago. And a lot of what I just read here is what you're seeing here today in politics. So... It, it, it's not a new. It's not the new game in town. It's maybe just the the ways the best options you have to maybe be successful. So, anyways, so keep that in mind. There's a lot being talked about um, housing, buying property. In, uh, up until recently, where the interest rates started to skyrocket and that kind of slowed the market down. Um, in terms of buying or selling property, it was a seller's market, and it was not unusual for uh, people to get multiple offers. Oftentimes, they'd get offers greater than the asking price, and sometimes it would be significant higher depending on how many offers or how many people were competing against each other. But there's, uh, that, that slowed down when the interest rates 
went up. Now the rates have come down a little bit, and it now it's talking like the market's going to heat up a little bit more than it has been recently. But uh, there are things, as a prospective home buyer, you should look at and look for. Electrical is very important in a home. And um, plumbing and heating, again, very important items. If something goes wrong after you take ownership, it's very expensive, and it's going to be out of your pocket. Exterior and leaks, that's something else, again, that uh, you should pay attention to. Pest, sometimes you don't realize it, but... Uh, uh, they're in the home, and if you have to be the one that uh, does something about it after you take possession, that's another expense out of your pocket. Asbestos, and that's for health reasons alone to take take care. And um, uh, there's been a lot of sales made in recent times. Uh, and one of the things is, aside from being a cash buyer, or no inspections. And I've talked to some real estate people, and even though they may have sellers who get those offers, and they, and they do they do occur, and they that was one of the competitive edge people would have if it came down to the price that they're willing to pay is close to what the top offer is or close to the top, but they'll waive the inspection. That's the best way for a seller to leave that property when the deed is passed. They no longer have a responsibility, and if a complication occurs afterwards, that's the new buyer's problem. So that's something to keep in mind when you when you desperately want to own a home and you think the best way to do it is to say no inspections. It can be a very costly decision and it's going to be yours and it won't be somebody that used to own the house like the former buyer, excuse me, the former seller. And uh, this one other thought, I, uh, if, if you asked people, and I've done this a couple of times, who, who Al Gore's vice president was when he ran for election as president. It's it's a hard thing to think back unless you're a real uh, political junkie to remember who his vice president was on his ticket. But um, we had an election just two years ago where to this day there's still that contention that it was a stolen election, wasn't legal, wasn't... Uh, uh, done right and whatever, and we're still talking about it. And I just try to summarize: uh, Senator Lederman was his running mate, and he was he lost the national election to the to uh, his opponent because of 500 some odd Chad votes in Florida. That if if he had carried Florida, Al Gore would have been the president. So he lost the election not by once to one big state like New York, two states five states with what they're arguing most of the time in the past election. And it, and when he appealed it to the Supreme Court in Florida and they rejected it about the Chad votes, five, a little under 600 of those votes contested that election. And then it went to the Supreme Court and they, they didn't even hear it. He could have gone back and wasted time and gone to the state, back to the state of Florida. He accepted the people's choice he withdrew the appeal, and, of course, we had a new president, and it wasn't Al Gore. But just compare that with what's going on in the last couple of years. And we, we talked tonight about the Lions Club. We talked about some other issues that I was trying to catch up on from, from the past, and I hope you enjoyed the show, and it was informative. And if you agree with me, let me know. And if you disagree with me, let me know. And I appreciate you being part of the audience today. Thank you very much.